welcome to the Gathering Church Podcast. We are so glad you're joining us today. For more info about The Gathering, you can check out thegathering.online. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's today's message. so wonderful to just get together with some girls and meet some new friends. And I hope you've been blessed by tonight. I want to thank the women's lead team. Um, If you're on the team, would you stand? I just want to thank you guys. These women, yeah, give it up for them. Give it up. These women have invested time and effort and careful thought into every detail of this evening. And I think you can feel that being here tonight. And they were really thinking of you, of your experience and your opportunity to grow in faith and friendship this evening. So it's just such a gift to be together. And tonight we're not going to learn from David or Jonah or Paul. I want to talk about the girls in the Bible. Did you know our faith has so many matriarchs, heroines, icons, women who are influential, memorable, and vital to what God was doing on the earth. And when you leave this room tonight, I want you to leave with a confidence that you are influential, you are memorable, and you are vital to what God is doing on the earth. Your gifts are not an accident. The dreams that you have in your heart are not by chance. You wouldn't get farther or do more if you were more talented or more beautiful or perhaps a man. But no, you were designed perfectly for a unique and meaningful and impactful purpose. Jeremiah 29:11 tells us, God says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. There is a God-given, God-designed plan for your life. And sometimes we can be a bit obsessive about determining the value of things. How valuable is my calling? We can rank it by how visible is my work. Who's more this or less that? Who's got the followers online? Who's got the titles, the awards, etc.? But these values and this perspective doesn't really help us. It can make us controlling, or we can try to manipulate our future. It can make us insecure, or it can make us fake, projecting out who we aren't really in our heart. You are uniquely called. And women are uniquely capable. You can't put it on a scale. It's not more or less. It's just beautifully, specifically unique. And that's what I want to speak to today. Women of the Bible who just showed up as they were, had faith in a God who is, and totally changed their stories. So let's take a look at the book of Esther. If you have a little digital Bible on your phone, feel free to pull it up and follow along. And I'm gonna, we're going to start in chapter 4, 
in the book of Esther, and I'm going to get you caught up to what's going on here, because we're kind of dropping into the middle of the story. So scene one, the beginning of the book. The queen of the realm has disobeyed her husband. Oh, no. So all the power, all the most powerful men in the kingdom got together to tell the king, look, this woman is way too influential, and all of our wives aren't going to listen to us anymore. So they kick her out of the kingdom, and they start looking for a new queen. Scene one, end scene. Scene two looks a lot like a season of The Bachelor. Every providence seeks out eligible women to come participate in a spa-like experience for one year. And that is not a typo. It does mean one year. All the single ladies, sign me up. At the end of which, they'll have one date with the king, and if he likes them, they get a second date. And if he doesn't, he never calls them again. And that's really in the Bible. I'm not making this up. Scene three, we finally meet Esther, the orphan girl, a woman of God, raised among the people of God. But that's like her secret identity. The palace people don't know where she came from. All they know is she's beautiful, she's kind, she's a joy to be with, and she begins gaining favor with the people who are producing the whole show. And the king falls in love with her on that first date and makes her queen. It's a pretty wild first date. And then finally, in scene four, we see the villain of the story. The king's right-hand man hates, hates the people of God, not knowing that Esther is one. He deceives the king into signing a death warrant for all of God's people that were living within the kingdom. And he tells the king that they're a threat to his life. But if you read the story, they're really just a threat to his ego. So here in chapter 4 of the book of Esther is where we drop in. We find the queen getting the news that her people are in danger. They are scheduled to be killed. And understandably, she is deeply depressed, distressed, or depressed. It could be both. So I'm going to start reading in verse 8. Her uncle Mordecai also gave the messenger a copy of the written decree issued in Susa for their destruction, that he might show it to Esther and explain it to her and command her to go to the king, to beg his favor and plead with him on behalf of her people. And Hatak went, that's the messenger, and he told Esther what Mordecai, her uncle, had said. Then Esther spoke to Hatak and commanded him, go back to Mordecai and say, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to death, except the one whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that they may live. But as for me, I have not been called to come in to the king these 30 days. They told Mordecai what Esther had said, and Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. This is kind of a game of like, the, they got the tin cans, you know, with the string. Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. 
And then he adds perhaps the most well-known line in the entire book of Esther. He says, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And who knows whether you have not come to your workplace for such a time as this. And who knows whether you have not come to your family or your neighborhood or your friend group for such a time as this. Who knows whether you have not gone through trials or seen that need that you just felt in your heart. Who knows that that was not for such a time as this. And there is a chance that some of the places of your greatest struggles might be the place of your greatest purpose. God is in the business of taking the darkness and transforming it into a story of relief and deliverance. And you might just be the woman for the job. You are intended to be here. A woman who shows up as you are with a faith in the God who is to totally change the story. So if we jump ahead to the last scene of the story, Esther does in fact risk it all. She comes with a strategy, she comes with the backing of time spent with God, and she comes with the backing of her faith community and a willingness to take a risk. And the king protects her, her people, and the, holds the man responsible for the death decree. One woman in the right place at the right time, a woman who shows up with faith to totally change the story. So you are intended. That's point number one. And I want to tell you one last story about another woman. And I don't know about you, but when I picture Jesus' disciples, I can tend to picture this. That there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That's 12 dudes. 12 men. And that is the picture painted by Leonardo da Vinci, but it is not the picture painted by the Bible. Mark 15:40 tells us that there were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the younger, of Joseph and of Salome. When he, he meaning Jesus, was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. And there were also many other women who came with him to Jerusalem. And Matthew chapter 27 goes into a little bit more depth and tells us this group included the moms of the disciples. And it kind of makes me wonder who else might have been present in that group. Could there have been sisters or aunts, friends, and women were not recorded much at this time in history. So when they were, it was really significant. It meant that history could not write them out, and it meant that they were essential to what was unfolding. Followed in this text in Mark is the same Greek term 
from Matthew 4.20, when Peter and Andrew, two disciples, left their fishing nets to follow Jesus. It is no lesser calling, and we as women are just as invited to follow Jesus. So for our final story, we're going to jump to Luke's gospel, chapter 10, verses 38 and 42. And we get a unique story about two sisters. Perhaps you've heard of Mary and Martha. So typically we look at Martha, she's the cooking, cleaning, grumpy one. And then we're told to be just a little bit more like Mary. And the story goes like this. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, which she should get credit. She's the one that invited him in. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. I don't know if you've ever been there. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious about many things. I have just jumped way ahead. Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, a lot of times we can read this passage and we think that the application is, oh, I better read my Bible before I do the dishes and the laundry. But it's actually a lot more radical of a message than that. Mary postured herself as a disciple in a time when the only people who could sit at a rabbi's feet and learn were men, which means the men in that room, which was likely the other disciples, probably wanted her to leave. There was probably a little bit of tension. It was probably a little bit uncomfortable. And in that scene, Jesus commends her. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. He says, she is not leaving. Another woman who showed up as she was with a faith in God to totally change the story. So you are invited. That's point two. And normally, you want three points in a message. Psychologists say we remember things in threes. Um, but I really couldn't decide what the last story I should tell you was. So I could tell you about JL who was a businesswoman, a tent maker, who came across a tyrant killing her people, and she killed him with a tent peg. It's a pretty good story. It's in there. I could tell you about Ruth, who survived tragedy, losing her husband, and she left her home to work in foreign fields. But God provided for her, God redeemed her story, God brought her a husband and put her in the legacy of Jesus Christ. That's also a good story. I could tell you about Abigail, who advocated for a husband that was not living up to his full potential, we'll say. 
And he, she saved, in the face of war, her family, her employees, her land, and she secured a future in the king's house. I could tell you about Hannah, who prayed and waited years for a child. And God brought her a promise. He brought her health and a child that influenced the future of her nation. I could tell you about Rahab, a prostitute, who recognized the promise of God on the people of God and hid military spies to negotiate the survival of her whole household. It's story after story. I could tell you about Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Susanna, many others who provided financially and through hospitality to support Jesus' ministry. The New Testament is full of the names of women who built the early church alongside the disciples. Tabitha, Rhoda, Mary, Eunice, Lydia, Damaris, Priscilla. I had so many options. I finally said, God, if I talk about all of these, I'm going to be all over the Bible. And that's a very distracted message. And he said, yes, exactly. Women are all over the Bible. So tell them I'm not leaving them out of my story. Tell them all I need are women who will show up as they are with a faith in God to see stories changed. And you have a purpose here. You are not here, even tonight in this room, you are not here by accident. You are part of the story that God is writing, and you don't have to be anything else. You don't have to be anything that you're not. You are intended, you are invited, and you are an influence. That's point three. Worship team, you can come up. And now I'm going to close. I'm not going to make this too long. But if you could close your eyes and just take a moment to reflect. I'm going to pray in three waves. With every eye closed, this is a private moment for you to connect with God. In your heart, connect with your spirit, connect with what's going on on the inside of you. You can participate in prayer one, prayer two, all three, or none, but I really believe there's something here for every single one of us. And I encourage you and ask you, don't miss what you're here for. Prayer one is going to be show up as you are, you're intended. If you're struggling to believe there's a plan and a purpose on your life, or you're struggling to believe that you are uniquely designed and equipped for that plan, raise, their, raise your hand if that's you. Yeah. see those hands prayer two with faith in God you're invited if you're wondering if you can have this faith you're wondering if there's an answer for the heaviness in your heart or for the stirring in your spirit maybe you're in distress maybe you feel the fight around you you're hearing with new ears tonight that there is a God that planned for you 
that loves you, that wants relationship with you, that wants your yes and your obedience and your willingness to take risks and live out the life and the plan he called you to and designed you for. Jesus is the only way. And tonight, you know that you're invited to be part of the story God is writing. And if that's you, with every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And prayer three. A change in the story. You are an influence. If you need a change in your story, a miracle, a breakthrough, a healing, you need God to interfere with the way things are going. And you just need a faithful person to pray for the supernatural to happen in your life. Raise your hand if that's you. Yeah. All right. You can open your eyes. We're not going to do an altar call right now because there's not a lot of space up here and I'm not going to ask you to move. But God is at work in this room. And I want you to have the opportunity to respond. So if everyone would please stand. I'm going to pray over all of you. And would you take the hands of a woman that's standing next to you? Just find a hand. We're going to pray this together. Dear God, I pray for every woman who's struggling here, who's struggling to believe there's a plan and a purpose on her life. Every woman struggling to believe that she is uniquely designed and equipped for that plan. Your word tells us that you created a plan of hope, that you create good futures for your people, that you've designed us intentionally and in detail according to your plan, and therefore you will equip us. You will strengthen us, guide us to walk it out every step of the way. And God, I pray for every woman who's seeking an answer for the heaviness in her heart, for the stirring in her spirit, who feels the fight going on all around her. We thank you that you made a plan. You made a way for us to be in relationship with you. You made a way through the sacrifice of your son and for every woman tonight that's saying yes to your plan, yes to your way, yes to Jesus our Savior, yes to being part of your family, yes to the story you're writing. And finally, God, I pray for every woman here who needs a change in their story. We pray for miracles. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for healing. God, you are in the business of bringing relief and restoration. Help us to be hope bringers. Help us to receive and contend for your plan and your purposes in the earth. May we see miracles in Jesus' name. May we experience breakthrough in Jesus' name. May we be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. The Gathering is a place where you can belong to a church that loves you, believe in the God who is bigger than you, and become who God created you to be. 
for updates, service times, or ways to get involved, check out thegathering.online. And if you enjoyed listening today, consider rating it or sharing it with a friend. We love you. The best is yet to come.